Good day, dear listeners. Steve Preda here with the Management Blueprint Podcast. And today I have with me Brandon Leibovitz, the founder and owner of SEO Optimizers, a company that builds and optimizes websites so that they can achieve top search engine rankings. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on today. Yeah, it's a, I'm, I'm a very curious about uh, your story and about your, your blueprint as well. So uh, you, you still look very, very young. So you can't have been an entrepreneur for 30 years, which most of our guests are. Would you share, us, share with us your entrepreneur journey? How did you get to run an SEO agency? Got my degree in business marketing. And when I got out of school, the first job I got was doing SEO, which I didn't know much about it. And the company didn't know much about it either. It's kind of interesting. They're like, we'll take you to classes and workshops and kind of learn alongside with you. This is back in 2007. Mm-hmm. So was helping them out with their SEO, helping out with social media, doing email marketing, helping out with some paid ads, kind of doing it all, taking pictures of products, writing product descriptions. And back in 2007, just realized that I feel like everyone's going to have a website in the future. SEO is a way to get free traffic. And why spend money on paid ads? I mean, everything I mentioned works, paid ads, email, social, it all works, but I just really focused on the SEO just because it's free traffic. And ever since then, I've worked at different advertising agencies, worked at different mom and pop shops and Fortune 500 companies, helping out with their SEO. And over the years, we'd always do freelance work. That was one thing that drew me into the SEO or digital marketing side of things is I could just pick up clients here and there and work full time and build up a business and keep building it and building it. And over the years, and was able to eventually quit my job and focus solely on my company and just keep building it up that way. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I love it when, you know, when I see someone who starts a side hustle and it actually grows into business and you can quit your your main uh, day job and and do it full time. What do you love about SEO? What's what's interesting about SEO? Well, it constantly changes. So it's never the same thing, but I like helping businesses grow and watching them get from wherever they're at to building them up online to get that free traffic to really watch them grow. But at least SEO, it's always constantly changing. That's one thing. It's not like you're doing the same thing over and over again, which keeps it interesting. And Google's always changing, which makes it kind of like a puzzle trying to just like piece it together and figure out what's going on. So how do you know it's changing? Does Google tell you or you just uh, experience that things are not working the same as before? Uh, so how do you how do you know it's changing and how do you know how to react to changes? No, it's a little bit of both. It, well, Google changes every single day, their algorithm, but it's only little tiny tweaks that aren't big, significant ones. But every few months, they'll have a big change, which sometimes they announce, but usually they don't announce it because Google doesn't really want you to do SEO. They want you to do paid ads. That's how they make all their money. SEO is just there because if, they're, if Google is just full of ads, you're going to leave Google. So... They have to have that balance, but yeah, it's constantly changing and just staying up to date is just trying to see what's going on. Like if you see your traffic all of a sudden drop, then try to figure out, all right, was there an algorithm update on this date? What was it? Were they looking at backlinks or content? I mean, the ones they announce will be like site speed or making sure your website's mobile friendly, because if you're not mobile friendly, they're not going to show you on mobile devices. So they want to have a good user experience and make sure that everyone who accesses your website from Google, that it's easy to access, it loads quickly, it looks good. And if not, they're not going to show you on those devices. So they announced those ones, but 
a lot of the ones about like backlinks and all the other really technical stuff, they don't really announce that, but SEO people kind of all see a trend, either they see a drop or they see a spike in the traffic and then they try to piece it together and figure out what was going on. And they usually will announce it in like blogs. That's where we can find it. Google's not technically gonna tell us, but just reading up and staying up to date on blogs and forums and helps out to see what's changing. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. So as you mentioned, uh, there are the paid ads and I noticed over the years that more and more of the paid ads are at the top. It used to be just one or two paid ads at the top. And now you have like five times maybe the first page is all paid ads. So my question is, do people read the paid ads or people tend to just scroll down and, and look at the, the real organic results? Most people skip over the ads, but some people don't know their ads because they put the little ad, the text that says ad really tiny because they want you to click on them. But yeah, I mean, they do get a lot of accidental clicks. Most people aren't really clicking on the ads unless it's accidentally and they don't know about it, but you never know. Some people do click on those ads. When you search on Google, there's gonna be, there might be ads at the top. There might not be ads at the top. There might be ads at the bottom. It's all gonna be different. If we search the exact same keywords, it's gonna be slightly different. Like you might be shown ads, I might not be shown ads. And with ads, they will be, zero, one, two, three, or four at most at the top mm-hmm. at Google. They also have the maps. Now the maps are starting to show ads in them. So there's one ad at the top of the maps. Sometimes actually Google's now testing a new format where they actually have smaller ads in the maps and they're able to put two or three ads. So more ads means more revenue for Google. They're just, that's all they care about. That's all Google cares about is ads. That's how they make all their money. Everything else is just to support their ads. Like Gmail is just there because it's free to read your emails, to look at keywords in your emails, to see what keywords they should focus ads on. If they see the word Nike in your emails, be like, hey, Nike, maybe you should advertise. Or Adidas, hey, they're mentioning Nike. Maybe you want to advertise and try to conquest some of this traffic. But everything that Google does, Chrome, it's all just to collect more data, Google Analytics. It's just all free stuff to get more data, to put out better ads and make more money through the ads. Yeah, it's pretty scary. So let's talk about the blueprint that you developed. And I think we called it uh, the digital marketing blueprint, which uh, basically a five word blueprint uh, that we talked about. I think we talked about content, keywords, placement, backlinks, and measure. So how does that work and how uh, does it help someone to to create good uh, advertising that uh, that Google will promote? So to do SEO properly, there's methodology and with SEO, the main focus is, well, the first starting point is always keyword research. So you wanna figure out what keywords you wanna rank for. So I would use different tools like the Google Keyword Planner is a free tool that will show you how many people actually search for that keyword every single month, because you don't wanna just put any keyword on your website. You wanna make sure that keyword actually has search volume. So I always tell people make a big list of keywords, just make as, write down as many keywords as possible. And then you can throw into that tool, the Google Keyword Planner, it's a free one, or you could buy a pay tool, doesn't really matter. Either one will work, but the Google Keyword Planner is free and a quick way to find your competitors' keywords is just searching Google, like searching Google for your keywords. And whoever's on that first page of Google, they're doing something right. Skip over the ads, but go to the organic, the free listings and look at the blue clickable link. That's called the SEO title tag. That's where everyone is putting their keywords. And that's where you can find your competitors and see what keywords they're using. Then you throw it into the keyword planner to double check because just because they're on that first page of Google doesn't necessarily mean they're right, but 
if it's a big corporation like Wikipedia or Amazon, you know, they have a whole team of people doing SEO. They're not just guessing at these keywords, but trends change, things change. So you just want to double check because like when I first started doing SEO is called internet marketing. Now it's called digital marketing. Nobody calls it internet marketing or some people still do, but not many people do. So how to change that keyword. But once you find the keywords, then you got to put in the content. And that's where you have to have good quality content on your website with those keywords sprinkled in throughout that content. So Google understands what that page is about because Google can't really read images or videos. So if you're an e-commerce business, you just have a bunch of images. Google can't really read those. They can read the file name, but or an alt tag, but that's about it. They can't really get more yet. They're trying to, but they rely heavily on text. The more text you have on every single page, the easier it is for the search engines to read that page and understand what that page is and rank you for the correct keywords. And usually you want about 400 words, but the more the better, like don't hold back. Content is so very important on your page. And a lot of people are gonna be like, I don't wanna put 400 words of content on my page because it's gonna make it look ugly, but I just tell people throw at the very bottom of your page. Yeah, think about it. like how often do you scroll down on the website? I think 70% of people never scroll down on the website. So you throw the content at the very bottom of your website, most people are never gonna see it, but Google will read from top to bottom and they'll see that content and they'll understand what that page is about. But hmm. making all these changes to your website, putting content keywords on it, Google doesn't care what you put on the website. They wanna see what are called backlinks because Google doesn't trust anybody. So they wanna see other websites talking about you. A backlink is a clickable link from another website that points to yours. Like if you're reading the LA Times and in there it says Brandon Leibowitz and you click on it and it goes to my website, then I'd be getting a backlink from the LA Times. So the more websites that talk about you, the more trust Google's gonna to give to you. And then Google looks at the keywords and the content and everything on your website, but it doesn't work the other way around. Without backlinks, it's pretty much impossible to rank on Google. Google's whole algorithm started based off backlinks. Still to this day, it's heavily based off backlinks. It's changed a lot how they look at these backlinks over the years, but it's still primarily based off backlinks. And Google's changed over the years how they look at them. They're really looking for quality backlinks. In the past, if I had 100 backlinks and you had 105 backlinks, you would rank higher than me. But now it's who has the most quality backlinks. And what's a quality backlink to Google? Quality backlink is a backlink from a website that's related to you. So if you're getting like, if I'm a doctor and I'm getting a backlink from a restaurant, that looks a little strange. Like why is a restaurant giving a doctor a backlink? A doctor should be getting backlinks from like WebMD or, or Wikipedia or health related websites or MapQuest or Google Maps and things like that, where the more websites that are related to you, the more relevancy it's gonna be passed on. And also authoritativeness. Like if you're getting a backlink from my website, it's a good website, but it's not the same as like a Forbes or Entrepreneur or Wikipedia or Huffington Post. So the bigger the website, the more SEO value, but relevancy is so very important. And then after all that, you gotta track everything. You gotta see what's working and what's not working. And you can measure it all through different tools, but Google Analytics is a free tool from Google that's gonna give you a wealth of information, kind of too much information, but data is invaluable. And I would always tell people, use Google Analytics, Facebook, it's gonna give you analytics, Shopify, all these other tools will give you analytics, but they're not gonna tell you the full story. Google Analytics will tell you everything and more, like too much information, but you have to install a little tracking code on your website. I would install that tracking code sooner than later because it's not gonna start tracking data until you put that code on your website. So if you install the tracking code next month, you're not getting 
month's data. And Google Analytics is so helpful because then you can make statistically informed decisions, but those are kind of the five main things that will help out. There's a lot of other variables that go into it, but those things alone done will have a significant impact on your rankings in Google because that's what Google's looking for. Wow. So you mentioned content. So you have there has to be 400 words, ideally, of keyword-rich content, right? So I need to research my keywords. Then I create my content. It can be maybe at the bottom of the site if, if I don't want to clog up the site with, with a lot of content. Then build backlinks. And then it has to be quality from relevant sites. And then Google Analytics helps me kind of measure how I'm progressing on, on, on my backlinks and my website relevance, I guess. So, mm -hmm. so if backlinks are the major driver, how do I create relevant backlinks? What's the process for that? There are a ton of different strategies to do it, but the simplest one is let's find your competitors. Just like, I, so with SEO, everything's transparent if you know where to look. So I could see all your backlinks. You could see all my backlinks using different tools. You have to pay for these tools. They're $100 or so a month, but these tools will show you any website. I could look at Google's backlinks. I could look at Facebook's backlinks. I could look at any website. It's these tools, they're called Ahrefs is one of them or Moz or SEMrush, but it doesn't matter which one you use. You just pick one tool and use that one. You don't have to buy all three tools. There's a lot of other ones, but those are the three bigger ones that I would recommend using one of those where you can just throw anyone. So I would search in Google for your keywords, see who's on that first page of Google and make note of who's on that first page of Google. But don't just search for one of your keywords, search for like 20 different keywords and make note of who shows up consistently. And then you can like prioritize them, like separate them as like, small, medium, and large companies. Like you could put like big corporate, like Amazon, Wikipedia in the big section, smaller ones in the smaller one, and then figure out who you are or where you are in your business life cycle. If you're a big corporation, go target these bigger companies. But if you're a small business, don't go for these big, big corporate sites. Go for the smaller ones first, where you could look at their backlinks and then one by one, try to reach out to the sites that are linking to your competitors. But again, you gotta be careful. You don't wanna go for every backlink. You wanna go for the quality. So in the past, there's just get every single backlink. Now, if you get every single backlink, and some of these are low quality backlinks, they'll actually drop you down in rankings. So that's where Google updates their algorithm. The biggest thing that Google's looking at is backlinks. They're always constantly updating that part because people are trying to game the system and figure out loopholes. And then Google's like, no, 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 we don't want you to do that. So you have to be very careful with these backlinks. If you build the wrong type, you're gonna drop down, which is the last thing we want to happen. So you gotta focus on quality and quality really is the relevancy. So another way to build relevant websites or backlinks from relevant websites is blogging on them. So you could find, you could go into Google, search for your keywords and see who's on that first page of Google for your keywords and start reaching out or on the first maybe 10 pages of Google and start reaching out to all those websites and see if they would be interested in you potentially writing a blog post for them or doing a sponsorship or whatever needs to be done. Maybe it's a directory, you join that directory. There's a lot of different ways to build those backlinks, but the ranking on those first 10 pages of Google, they definitely have some SEO value because Google's not going to rank anyone. Even on page 10, they still have a little bit of SEO value, not that much, but the closer you are to page one, that's where you're going to get the better quality sites that are going to pass on more SEO value to you. But those are the two simple, safe ways to build backlinks. There's a lot of other strategies, but competitors uh, is the easiest one, like find a competition because if it's working for them, it's more than likely going to work for you. You just need to implement and incorporate that onto your own website. 
So it sounds a little bit challenge. I mean, no, it sounds hard work to be able to do that. I mean, you go to those high quality sites and to basically sell them on the idea that you would write a blog for the site, you have to write the blog. That's a lot of heavy lifting. Now, what about podcasting? I mean, if I am on a podcast and uh, they ask for call to action and give my website domain, then will that constitute a backlink to my website from that podcasting site? Yep, yep. So that's another way. Podcasting is joining or creating your own podcast. Then you create your own podcast and you get a backlink from like Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio, and Amazon, all these places. But you got to think like these websites are all about podcasting. So then Google's going to think you're just a podcast, which it's okay. It's okay to have some of those backlinks, but the majority of them need to come from relevant websites. So if these podcasts actually have a website and they post their podcast on that website with the backlink on their website, that's what matters. Like getting mm -hmm. on like iTunes and Stitcher, all these are blocked from Google anyways. They don't count those backlinks. They're all no follow for the most part because anywhere where it's too easy to get a backlink, it's not gonna count. Like social media doesn't count. Wikipedia, wow. too many people have spammed Wikipedia because you just go on Wikipedia and make a change and you can put your backlink in there. And Wikipedia is one of the top 10 most popular websites. So it's a good backlink to have, but too many people spam Wikipedia. So none of those count. Huffington Post, too many people spam Huffington Post over the years. That's why five years ago, they were really big. Now they're kind of just disappeared because they just let anybody write for them. And anyone that was writing for them was primarily SEO people just trying to put backlinks and content that wasn't good quality content. So anywhere where it's too easy, it's not going to count. So podcasting is a good way, but you got to make sure that they have a podcast or a website about their podcast that is relevant to you, not just joining, doing any podcast and do any podcast, but making sure it's somewhat related and that will be beneficial. So, so basically is, is creating backlinks a way of PR? Mm -hmm. so yep. So that's another way is in the past, people would just do a press release. You do a press release, you submit it. And in that press release is usually your business name, address, phone number, and website URL. So another way to get backlinks, but then these backlinks are coming from just PR sites, press release sites. So Google's just like, all right, are you a PR? Like for me, it's good because I'm an SEO company. So I want marketing websites to link out to me. But if you're like a doctor or a lawyer or a dentist, it's going to look a little strange to Google. Like why is all these PR? So they aren't, they're not bad backlinks, but they're not good backlinks. They're just kind of like neutral, like any corporate business would do a press release, like Target, Costco, all these corporations, they'll do a press release. So it's not bad, but they're not as beneficial as they used to be. It really comes down to that relevancy. And again, anywhere where it's too easy, like Google knows you could go to like PR web or iNewsWire and submit your press release and get published on hundreds of websites, which is good, but it just doesn't have that same impact that it used to. Mm -hmm. Got it. So when you talk about creating SEO and backlinks and good content for websites, it, do you also look at conversion and uh, do you also help traffic to convert on websites or that's kind of a different skill? No, that, well, that's a different skill, but that is something I've realized over the years that just because I could get you ranked on Google and I get you traffic, it doesn't mean that you're going to get sales, leads, phone calls, emails, whatever that conversion goal is. So got to help work with the, I don't build websites, but I work with them and say, all right, let's move the add to cart button because we have to scroll down to see it. And most people are never going to scroll down. So we have to move it to above the fold because whatever you see on the website, this is called above the fold. Once you start scrolling, that's below the fold. 
70% of people never scroll down. So you have to have all the good pertinent information at the top, have your call to action, have a value proposition so people know what's in it for me. Don't just have a big image that doesn't really tell people much about what your business is or what your business does. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you like put a video up there, people like videos and visual content nowadays, attention spans are really short and people don't want to read. So if you got a video that can help out, but it's a lot of like A-B testing, seeing what works, what doesn't work, because you never know, there is no perfect website. I mean, Amazon's a good one to look at, or like big corporate websites, because they're A-B testing like crazy, because they have so much traffic and so much money that they could afford to test like that. But that's a good one to really look at. If you're looking for e-commerce, just look at Amazon. They're testing always. Like if we both go to Amazon, we're going to get a slightly different result or page where maybe they're moving the, the add to cart button up a pixel or two, or they're changing the color by like a pixel that we're not going to notice it, but it's going to have an impact on conversions. And that is such an important part of digital marketing is it's called conversion rate optimization, optimizing that website traffic to get conversions. It doesn't matter if it's SEO traffic, pay traffic through Google ads or Facebook ads or email marketing or whatever you're doing to get traffic to your website. But you need to make sure you don't just build a website. You build a website that's going to optimize or capture leads or convert that traffic into sales. Okay. So basically what you're saying is that to optimize a website for conversion, it's it's a question of testing. And you're basically, it's over time, you do the A-B tests and you just keep improving it. There's no like a silver bullet way of building a website, which will be good converting. Yeah, unfortunately there's no blueprint because every website is slightly different, but for e-commerce, I always look at Amazon for services. So I always tell people like, they always look at their competitors' websites. And I tell people just because they're your competitor doesn't mean they have a better website. Or I mean, it might be a better website, but that might not be the best. Like I would look at big corporations, like big corporations are putting hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars into their website. Whereas your competitor, they might have a better website, but they're not spending that much money on it. I mean, they might, but they're probably not gonna be spending that big amount of money. So look at these big, big corporations to kind of get ideas of like, what's trending, what's new, what features should I add, or what features should I take away that people aren't doing anymore? Because they're the ones that are gonna be staying up with the latest trends on web design and conversion rate optimization and things like that, because they have a whole team of people there that are focused on that. Yeah, I love that. That's great, great advice. So if I want to write a blog, if, if I want to create more traffic on my website by blogging, what does an ideal blog post look like? Blog posts should be informative, not promotional. You have to take a step back and think like, if you're reading someone's blog and they're just promoting themselves, you're gonna be like, I don't trust you. I don't care about this. Like, this is not what I wanna hear. I wanna get information. Like if you're a dentist, you could give like a blog post about seven ways to widen your teeth or something like that, where it's like informative and helpful, not just an article about like, hey, I was voted best dentist in this city, which is good to promote, but not necessary for a blog post. Keep it informative. Try to, the, I mean, the most important thing is the title, putting keywords in the title of the blog post. So the title should be about 60 characters. You can make it a little bit longer if you want, but you don't really want to make it too long. You don't want to make it short and clickbaity because then you're not putting keywords in there. You want to try to put as many keywords as possible without repeating yourself in those 60 characters. And that's really the more important thing. Well, and the content too. It has to be good quality content. It has to resonate with people. I would put links in the content to other blog posts on your website. Because mm -hmm. if someone just reads your blog post and gets to the end, whether they do that and they might 
share it on social media or they might leave a comment, but most people don't do that. But if you're reading a blog post and there's clickable links that point to other pages on your website, it's going to hopefully keep people clicking onto those and reading it. But also Google follows those links on your website. So these are called internal links where you're just linking to yourself and you're passing on SEO value from one blog post to another blog post to another page to the product page or service page to the home page. So you always want to interlink your blog posts at least two or more times to other blogs and then one time to a service or a product page. That is so very important because then your blog post is giving your product or service a backlink. And that's going to also just help Google crawl your website better and easier, break it down into like, usually nowadays it's kind of like smaller paragraphs where it's maybe like one to three sentences per paragraph. Like sometimes I see paragraphs that are just one sentence. Looks a little weird, but it's easier to kind of read, especially on mobile, it's easier to read. So just, again, just kind of testing things out, seeing what works, what doesn't work, what resonates with your audience best. So how do you guys uh, actually are able to write all these articles when you don't work in the company? How do you read up on providing really good relevant content that uh, people are looking for. I, I was always wondering how it's possible for people or lay people in the industry to do that. Well, I have a team of writers that focus on different industries, but I would look at the, I would use different tools like the Google Keyword Planner and other keyword research tools to see like what are high search volume keywords or questions or phrases that people ask. An easy way to do it is just searching Google. Like searching in Google is going to show you almost everything you need to know. So you search in Google for your keywords and you scroll down and there's going to be this people also ask section. These are all high search volume questions that if you take that question and you make that into a blog post, that's a high search volume question that a lot of people are searching for that phrase. And if you have that on your website as a blog post, you become really relevant and you might also show up in that people also ask section, but that's also, that's a great way to kind of just quickly see what might be a good topic for a blog post, but you really have to kind of sometimes, I mean, the best is work with the business owners, ask them what they recommend, what questions people ask them, because if they're getting these questions asked to them all the time, that means probably it's not on their website or it's just a high search volume topic that they should incorporate onto their own website. Yeah, I always find found it challenging. I used uh, a service which basically helped me write, supposed to help me better SEO. And it was a real grind to actually incorporate those keywords that this, this engine suggested into the, te the, the text. It felt forced and it felt like the, the text would not flow as well. The story would be a little bit choppier because of that. So is there a way to, to make it smooth without it being feeling forced? Yeah, I don't trust those tools. Like that's probably like Yoast is a tool like that where it says, you got to put this keyword in here and the beginning of the word or beginning of the sentence, but then it makes it thrown off. And that's an old way to look at SEO. Maybe like 10 years ago, you'd want to do that. But Google has what they've created, I think in 2011 or 13, it's called the Hummingbird Update, where it's going after the schematic web and understanding the human language. And I see websites now with, I'll search for the keywords and they don't even have that keyword anywhere on that page. Google just understands the intent your geolocation, your previous browsing history. So you don't necessarily need to put keywords in the content anymore. Like the title is really, really important to put keywords. That's where they really look like the title of your blog post, your podcast, your article, a press release, whatever it is, a YouTube video, the title is the most important place to put keywords. Then when you're writing the content, 
you're naturally going to have that those keywords in there sprinkled in there like synonyms plurals variations reordering it so it's not just the same order that's going to really make it more natural and flow better not just putting keywords in there three times to make sure you have a three percent keyword density and all this other stuff that people used to do in the past and it did work but google changes every single day and google knows like that's something that people are doing to gain the system and they don't want you to gain the system they want you to provide good quality content they want to have a good user experience they don't want you to just stuff keywords in there or hide keywords just to get rankings because that's not what they want you to do they want you to earn those rankings by having yeah. good quality content it is amazing that uh, I often type a question into Google. Just I'm curious about something. I just type in the question, and Google will come up with relevant articles answering this question. I mean, I find it mind-boggling that one could do that these days. I, I'm curious about anything, and Google will uh, give me a relevant answer. I love it. Yep. Artificial intelligence and the machine learning and everything, it's taken off on its own where... People don't even know how their algorithm works anymore because it's so much AI into it and machine learning that is just learning and learning by itself, which is really interesting to see how that works. But it's definitely, it knows who you are, knows a lot about people. It's really kind of interesting, scary to see it work, but it does provide and make life a lot easier with that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, that's a completely uh, different topic, the security and the implications of Google knowing so much about us, I'm sure. There are big downsides to it. A lot of very valuable information about SEO. It makes things much clearer for me as, as a layperson uh, on how to do that. So if, if people would like to engage with you, would like to find out about your services or you know, connect with you, where should they go? How can they find you? Yeah, so anyone that's watching or listening, I create a special gift for them if they go to my website, seooptimizers.com. That's SEO. O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com forward slash gift. They can find that there along with my contact information and all the details to get a hold of me. Um, awesome. Well, Brandon, thank you. So seooptimizers.com slash gift forward slash gift is where you should go. I'm definitely going to go there and, and find out. I'm not, now I got very curious about this gift that you are offering us. And uh, for those of you that enjoyed this, uh, this episode, please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcast, subscribe on YouTube, and stay tuned so that next week you uh, meet another exciting entrepreneur sharing their blueprint uh, with you. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Brandon, for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on today.